Well, good morning, everybody. You can go ahead and have a seat. Glad that you are here with us today. If you are new to us, welcome to Epic. We're glad that you've chosen to be a part of our church family today. And we've got an exciting day planned for you. As uh, this past summer, that we have had two teams from Epic go on an international mission trip to Guatemala. And they are all back safely here in the States. And so today, we're going to take today and just tell you about that. And we've got some folks, four, actually four folks selected, two from our first team, two from our second team, that are going to tell you a little bit about their experience there in Guatemala. And we actually have a partnership there, another church that we've been partnering with over the past four years, and we're excited about what God is doing in that church to reach that community for Jesus. And so we're glad that you're here with us today for our missions recap. Now, let me tell you a little bit about our partner church down there. It's called Iglesia del Camino, and they are located in Antigua, Guatemala, and you see right here, we've got a picture of their leader. So this is Mike and Nancy Watkins. It's a lead pastor and his wife there. And they have done an amazing job over the past. I think their church is about seven years old or so. I think they've done an amazing job of reaching that community for Jesus. And what they do there, they've got kind of a unique uh, setting and setup on Sunday mornings. They actually have a bilingual service. And so we, we came in and didn't have any problem with understanding what was going on in that Spanish culture. Uh, the pastor would teach in English, and then it would be translated into uh, Spanish. And then their worship leader that was there, a guy by the name of Abner, I think you just saw his picture there. He does this amazing thing. He is uh, skilled in both English and Spanish. This is a challenge that I gave in the first service to Evan, our worship leader, that in a few weeks, I would love to see him going from Spanish to English and back to Spanish in the same song. I, mean, I think it'd just be fantastic, don't you? I think it'd be awesome. So the challenge is out, Evan, wherever you are. Um, yeah, that'll be fun. I've, I've uh, been back to Guatemala four years in a row, and I can ask your name, and I can ask your age, and where the bathroom is, and uh, that's about all I got, so I'm, I'm working on that myself. So a great experience that we've had there in uh, their church. They have two services now. They're running about 325 um, in attendance, and God continues to grow them and, and bless them as they reach their community. Now, they have several major projects that they partner with there in that community. There's several major things that they are trying to do as a church. And one of the cool things that I think that we get to be a part of when working with them is we get to help them reach their community. And I know that sounds like, wow, that's just a, a brilliant idea. But they are boots on the ground in that community. They understand what that culture's like. They understand how to reach that community. They understand where the needs are greater than we do. And so when we partner with them, we can help them reach even farther into their community. Now, that's a picture of a feeding center that, that they're working in, in a village called Santa Maria at the base of a volcano. It's kind of a Awesome to look up and see that volcano, and a little bit weird as well. Hoping it's not going to erupt while you're standing there. Uh, but in that community, there is much malnourishment. I think one of the statistics that we heard was 70% plus of children are malnourished. 
And so what they're doing in that community with another church that they are partnering with is they are providing food for the kids there. So to, um, at this point, they're doing two meals a week. And we were able to be a part of that and, and feed the kids. There were like 250 plus some kids um, that were being fed that day. And we did a Bible story for them, taught them the story of the Good Samaritan. And our lesson was that God wants us to love our enemies. And then we worked on some application for that in, in uh, their culture there. Now, this facility that you're seeing here is a new feeding center that they are building. They have way outgrown the space that they have right now. And so it, this is just amazing to me. Um, this costs about 150000 American dollars. And it's something that we would build a home for. And that money will go to feed thousands of families in need. And it'll be on a consistent basis, probably at least five days a week, maybe six days a week. Um, so there's a lot of hope provided for this fa- the, these families in this community. Now, imagine this. Imagine if the water that you had available to you, you could get every other day for an hour, and you didn't know when that hour was going to be. That's what happens in Santa Maria. Many of the families don't have a water spigot in their house. And so what they do is there are public watering stations, and so they go hang out until the water turns on. They get their water, and then they go home, and they have that for that day, the next day, and then the third day, they go back and try to get some more water. So for us, we're thinking, man, I mean, I'm, I'm not used to you know, going over to the water spigot at any, any faucet in my house and water not coming on, but that's the reality in, in their community right there. So what this church has done is below the floor, they have these huge vats that collect rainwater so that they can use that to service that community and use it in the feeding center at the same time. So they're doing a phenomenal job of really meeting the basic needs of the people in that community. Now, another thing that they do on a consistent basis is build homes. Now, you see, this is one of the homes that we were building there. Uh, for us, this would be like a glorified shed. We'd love to put our you know, lawnmowers and you know, rakes in there. But for the families that are there, this is a major upgrade from where they live. Many of the families have dirt floors, and they take um, either corn stock or sugar cane stock and weave it together, and that makes walls. So when a family gets a home like this, this is a major upgrade, and it it betters their life in a really big way. Um, There's some health issues that it helps prevent for them. Um, They get a water filtration system, so they're drinking good water, not bad water, and getting sick on a regular basis. We also provide them a a stove that they can use. It's very beneficial to them. Some bunk beds in there as well for the family, and we're able to provide them about a month's worth of resources that they need, uh, food and other supplies that they need in their their families to get started. So that's another one of the primary projects that our partnership in Iglesia del Camino is using in a town called Pastores. And they've got some other partnerships as well through some children's activities. You'll hear a little bit of that. There's some orphanages that we worked with as well today or during this trip and some daycare centers that we were a part of. Now, how we're going to do this today is I'm going to invite 
Tim and two members of our first team to come out. And Tim's going to interview them. You're going to hear a little bit of their story. And then I'm going to come back up after that with two members from our team that went on the second trip. And you'll hear a little bit of their story as well. So if you would, welcome to the stage, team number one. Thank you so much, Trent, and thank you guys for being here today. And uh, let me just kind of kick off with uh, t- uh, introducing you first to our team members. I've almost forgot that. So uh, this is Chris Carl- Crawley. There we go, if I can speak right today. Uh, and then Carla shows as well. And they represent 11 members that went with us down to Guatemala. And before I begin, let me kind of just give you a high level of what we did while we were down there in Guatemala. And so for the first day when we arrived, um, we were able to go out to facilities called uh, the L Club. And that is a facility that uh, reaches out to children in a part of that country um, that really they aren't getting fed very well. And so they have a feeding program as well. And while we were there, they asked us to do a project, a painting project and put on some doors. And then their roof was uh, uh, messed up and not fixed. And so we donated some money to get that fixed uh, because it just happened. They had no funds. And so because of what you guys have contributed, uh, that roof that week got fixed, which was great because it was their main building and uh, in a bad location in their computer room area. And then uh, we also went to a town called Paso Paso, and we worked with a uh, kind of a center uh, that's just been established that helps uh, when kids are done with school and they go to school for about three hours a day and then they're left on their own in the afternoon, uh, this place takes them and gives them a safe place to be, feeds them, and then we also put on uh, a little VBS or a little bit of a lesson about God and who he is, and those children just eat it up and are learning about who God is and everything. And then we focused on building two homes uh, uh, while we were there as, as well. And then a, a couple of us went out one evening and did a soup run to the homeless right there who are in Antigua, the uh, city that we were staying in as well. And then we uh, finished off with being at Santa Maria, as Trent described, and being there with about 200 kids and uh, feeding them, and then also putting on that afternoon a program for them and telling them about God. And so today what I'd like to do is uh, spend some time with both Chris and Carla and uh, have them share uh, just a snapshot. You know, we wish we could tell every single story that uh, transpired on the trip, um, but I've asked them to just share parts of some stories that uh, impacted them on the trip for you to hear as well. And and we're really going to be focusing on some of the houses. And so, uh, Chris, could you just describe for all of us what it's like to build one of those homes and then also tell us what kind of significantly impacted your life while you were there in Guatemala? Um, one, it was awesome. It was great just to see the form, transformation um, from their lifestyle. Their, their living conditions, what Trent was talking about, was um, it's noticeably different than ours you know they their houses are you know cornstalk walls it's all makeshift tin roofs um, anything to make a structural a structure that that'll stand so they can sleep in and live in and um, for cooking they it's usually like it's like an open fire to us and and just glorified and um, that's where um, IDC comes in they have a partnership with the mayor there and the mayor has a team that goes around and finds the people that are in the most need. And they tell IDC, okay, this is the person. And then that's when we come in, the missionaries, we come in with IDC and after hiking to the, to the build site, which can be rigorous, um, getting all the materials there, um, we construct the house. It takes a few hours 
um, we were able to put one up by lunchtime. One of the, one of the builds was pretty impressive. Um, they we have they have two windows. They have a door that they can lock. Sometimes it's the first time they've ever had something they can lock, and they have uh, beds inside. And then we fill the the house with supplies that will last them for the month, get them started, and a really nice water filter that um, about fifty dollars. And it's very it's it'll last a really really long time. <clears throat> and um, we before we hand them the keys, we pray over them, we bless them, we bless their house, and uh, give them the keys, and there you go. Yeah, yeah, and then how, how did it, your life get impacted, and especially the two women that uh, you really were impacted by in the first build that we were at? Yeah, the, the first build we, we did, um, it was for this lady and her mother, they're um, two uh, older ladies and they've spent 40 plus most of their lives on this one hillside and we were able to um, give them the house but when we were blessing the house we we're praying with them um, I think she did most of the praying she was thanking God praising us praising God she couldn't stop you know and it was it was, it was moving I was tearing up I'm not a very emotional guy but um it definitely touched me just how thankful and grateful that they were and uh, it, it you know, it was they, they did they did more for us than we did for them by far. It was it was great, and every day just the trip there just seemed like a God moment. Every day He used us for uh, for His will. It was it was it was pretty cool. Yeah, it was neat. Chris was our expert roof builder, and then also with the kids, he did an amazing job. All the kids wanted to mimic him, so when we were making puppets, they would do these big beards on their puppets and stuff like that, so it was pretty cool to watch that interaction with them. But I don't know if you saw in the pictures as well, like, you know, we were, these ladies that we built the home for, they had a uh, stove that was pretty much like an open fire. And uh, for 40 years, she's been doing cooking on this open fire, literally. And uh, we are able to provide a stove with those house builds as well. And, you know, she's been inhaling this stuff for 40 years. And now she has, you know, a stove that's much more efficient, uh, that you can, you know, barely use the amount of wood that you need to use compared to what she was doing, and then takes that smoke right up out of uh, where she was living, literally. Um, and so just an amazing quality improvement and just the need and how grateful they were was just amazing uh, to see that. And so they did a great job of doing that. Now, Carla, um, this wasn't your first mission trip, uh, was it? No, I've been to Detroit and I've been all over East Africa. So this is, yeah, not my first time overseas. But it was your first time to Guatemala, right? It was, it was. Now, you it shared with me something that kind of God just kind of took you on this trip and kind of turned something within you and just said, hey, Carla, I want to teach you something. So could you share us uh, with what happened uh, and what he was trying to teach you? Yeah, so I went um, sort of, you know, I've, I've gone on mission trips, so I was really planning to kind of get out of the way and let yeah, other people on the team really get the full experience of being on a mission trip. And um, I kind of in, unintentionally went with this, like been there, done that kind of attitude and and you know, the cool thing is that God redeems our, our hearts and he redeems our attitudes. So um, on, the, on Thursday, we did our second house build and um, the team was really excited and there were a lot of us and we knew what we were doing. So I kind of stepped out of the way and let 
the team really do the construction, and I ended up hanging out with the family's uh, two daughters for most of most of the day, and we'd toss a ball back and forth, and they'd entertain my um, attempts at speaking Spanish. And I really connected with the family's uh, six-year-old daughter, Jamie, and Jamie was a spark. She's just amazing. And when she finally got comfortable with me, she had this amazing smile, and it just lit up the room. It was just incredible. The thing that you also notice about her smile is not just how beautiful it was, but you also notice that her teeth are blackened and, and sort of rotting. And it kind of just caught me off guard. I'm like, she's six years old. What, what's up with that? Um, so the team came back with the house blessing supplies. And so um, another team member and I were in the room kind of playing with things and, and trying to say the words in Spanish. And we found toothpaste. And I was like, oh my goodness, there's toothpaste. There have to be toothbrushes. So we find the toothbrushes and we show them to Jamie. And we're like, do you know what this is? And she says, yes, it's a toothbrush. And we're like, do you know what you do with it? And she kind of looked down and kind of ashamed, and she's like, yes, you, you brush your teeth, and you do it every day. And um, she's like, but I don't have one. And it was all I could do not to cry at that moment because I'm obsessed with brushing my teeth, and this little girl doesn't have a toothbrush, and she knows what it is, but she just she doesn't have one. And that sort of been there, done that attitude I came with went out the door. <laughs> So we talked about, you know, brush your teeth every day, and even if you don't have toothbrush or toothpaste, brush your teeth. And, um, you know, we do that, the prayer, and we leave. And as we're driving back to the hotel, I'm just, I'm in tears. I'm crying over a toothbrush. And I realized that God broke my heart for what breaks his using a, a toothbrush. So, I, you know, when we get back, I'm kind of struggling with, you know, social injustice and poverty, and this is such a big deal, and God, and I'm praying, and God's like, I remember Jamie. I gave her a house, I gave her a bed, I gave her clean water, and I gave her a toothbrush. And I um, was reading in my Bible this verse from um, 1 Samuel. He raises the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with nobles and inherit a seat of honor for the pillars of the Lord, the pillars of the earth are the Lord, and he sets the world on them. And it was just this moment of God is sovereign, and if we choose to let him, we got to get out of the way <laughs> with our own hearts. God will use us to serve those around us, and he completely, completely changed my heart through that experience. So... Thank you so much for sharing that with us and about life change and Jamie. And I think for me, that's kind of the biggest part of these trips. Uh, two years ago, I went uh, to Guatemala, and so I was coming back to Guatemala. And, you know, Jamie's story, when you see what's there and you see the extreme poverty that's in those countries and what we're not accustomed to here, um, you know, it breaks your heart. It breaks your heart for what's going on. But what's really neat is in Santa Maria, where Trent was describing this feeding program that's going on in the building that they're building, two years ago when we went, you could see the malnutrition in these kids. You could see their hair starting to, uh, it was discolored, it was grayish, whitish, and that's a sign of malnutrition. You could see them very skinny. And so for me to return two years later, you see them healthy, you see their hair looking good, at least the kids who are involved in this feeding program and learning about God. You saw these kids who didn't know anything about God 
two years ago, now know something about God, now sing songs about God, now sing things about Jesus. And so it was really cool for me to go back and see this long-term investment that as we continue to choose a place and invest over and over again, what happens, that lives are being transformed, that Jamie's life is being transformed. Um, Iglesia del Camino has built 66 homes because 30 teams come in each year uh, to invest in these kids each week to build these houses. And we together, you as Epic, we've built eight homes uh, total so far uh, in that town of Pastoras. And that, tr- that community is being transformed by a mayor who has a heart to reach his community and show them through doing kind acts uh, of giving homes, of improving life within that community. And so it's just an amazing thing that God is doing and how he is orchestrating those things, how he's allowing us to come together to meet those individuals like Jamie and be a part of their story. So we just want to thank you guys so much for being a part of that, for praying for us, for encouraging us. And would you help me thank these guys and the team that went together uh, on that trip? So thank you guys. And let me invite up the uh, second team to come on up with Trent. So come on up. Um, Let me tell you just a little bit about what Team 2 did while we were there. We had the privilege of building two homes on our first two days of work there in that area of Pastores um, and uh, had a great experience with those families. Uh, One family, uh, I don't believe we're Christ followers, the other family was. And um, it's just a really cool deal, as, as you heard Chris talking about that, the house blessing deal was an opportunity for us to give them the stuff that we had purchased for them, and then to read some, some scriptures to them, to pray for them, and to share Jesus with them. And in our second house build, uh, one of our team members was sharing their story, and it was just so cool to watch how God orchestrates that, because we couldn't have, have orchestrated it better. We couldn't have picked a better person to share their story. And then this, this mom of, of five kids uh, looks back at us, and she was a believer in Christ, and she blessed our entire team. She had this bold confidence in her relationship with God, and she boldly thanked us for being there and the, the impact that it was going to make long term for many years to come. And we, in turn, walked away feeling like maybe we were getting the house. She, she was so bold in how she interacted with us. We were so grateful for that experience. It was just a really neat experience there. Um, at that same time, while part of our team was building homes, another part was interacting with kids. Um, generally, uh, you see Shanna there and, and kids all around her at a daycare center that we were involved in. But generally, you start building a home and they notice a bunch of gringos are there and they start showing up and they want to see what's going on. And um, so we had an incredible opportunity to work with the kids that were uh, just around that environment. We also went to another school. And um, you see that the kids there discovered that once they took my hat off, they had more canvas to work on. And so they colored my head up pretty well. Um, Then on Wednesday, I think it was, we worked at Santa Maria, the feeding center. Um, On Thursday, we were at the club, the place that Tim was describing. And then on Friday, we were at a place called Rosa de Amor, which is an orphanage for children who have been removed from their homes by the Guatemalan courts because of violence and abuse in their homes. So some of the kids that we were working with on that day were 12 and 13-year-old girls who had their own children with them because of some of the abuse that they had endured. 
So it's a very safe environment for them. Um, They're razor wire all around the facility to keep them safe there as we came in and to interact with them. It was probably a little bit smaller group than what we had prior to that, but it was a great opportunity for us to spend large amounts of one-on-one time uh, with those kids who desperately needed a connection. And uh, Gina's going to tell us a little bit about that in just a moment. But um, we have Roth here, and we have Gina, both of them, on, obviously, on this trip. And Roth, this was your first year going with us. And Gina, this was your second year, right, uh, going back. And um, Roth, you had a, a pretty neat perspective, I think, once you were there. And, and God really spoke to you through specifically uh, one woman that works there named Sabina. Um, but you had a pretty neat perspective about the life of women there and the role of hope in that. So would you tell us a little bit about that? It's easy as we unpack the mission trip uh, for us to see the heartache. It's easy to look at a woman's life and and starting at seven years old, you see the picture there of Maria carrying around her two-year-old brother. And it's easy to see the heartache. It's easy to look at the abuse. It's easy to look at the neglect and the living conditions and and see the heartache. And what hit me hard, what Trent was talking about, was a few days into the trip, I realized that the life of a woman as a mother often starts at seven years old. She often carries the burden of her brother or sister on her back and, and carries a burden that's not designed for her mind or for her body. And that burden carries on. And as we went to the house build, we often saw that those women were also dealing with a new burden. They were dealing with a burden of uh, a drug-abused husband who, who, who left the family. So now she carried a new burden along with everything else. So as we went through the week, it was easy to see the heartache and before I went on the trip, I prayed that, that God would wreck me. I prayed that I would come back a different man with a, with a new set of eyes. Because I know that I often disconnect from emotion. So I prayed that God would wreck me. And, it, and as the week went on, he did. He used the heartache to overwhelm me. And it reached a point where my mind was blank. I really couldn't process anymore. And in that moment, God, like he often does, gives us what we need, not just what we ask for, and he gave me hope. And that hope never erased the heartache that I saw, but it rode right alongside with it. And we saw the people who are permanently there investing in these children, and we saw hope. And along with that, we also be, were able to become a part of that hope. Even though it was small, we were able to show love to children who often didn't see that. And as God started hitting me over the head with a hope, he introduced me to Sabina. And if you look there, that's Sabina. She's all of four foot tall and makes me look like a giant. Is a good day. (laughs) But Sabina was one of the girls that could have easily accepted the heartache. 
As she grew up in an orphanage, she could have easily accepted one word out of God's storybook for her. She could have accepted alone and abandoned, but she didn't. And as she grew, she learned to take hope and multiply it exponentially. And as a young woman, Sabina boarded a plane to China. And as she went to China, she went there to preach the gospel. And really, to me, the story could end there, and you would see David and Goliath. You would see Sabina standing up against Goliath, the Chinese government. And to me, that story would have been amazing. It would have stuck with me, and it would have been enough. But at that point, God knew I needed to hear more. And as she told me her story, as she explained to me what that trip was like, she told me how she was later arrested for telling people about Jesus. And as she sat in Chinese prison and the interrogator asked her who sent her, she chose hope. She ignored the fact that she could be tortured or she could disappear. And when he asked her plainly who sent her, she said, Jesus sent me here. And again, I could stop the story now and it would likely blow your mind, but it continued because in that moment, God knew that I needed to hear more. God remembered my conversations with him months before and how I would dive into the Bible and feel disconnected. I would feel like the men of the Bible were different than I am, different because of every excuse I could think of, different because they walked with Jesus or because, you know, you don't know me, you don't know what I was like in high school, you don't know the things that I did you don't know the things that were done to me. And in that moment, months before, God gave me James 5.17. And basically what James 5.17 says is, Elijah was a man just like you. And even though in that moment I appreciated that and I felt like it meant something, I still could not connect myself and in that moment, talking to Sabina, my flesh said to her, you must have been terrified. I put myself in her shoes and I saw the fact that she could be tortured. I, I thought if I was sitting there, if I had enough courage to go there in the first place and I could sit there in that prison, would I say what she said or would I think about the torture? And I said to her, you must have been terrified. And she plainly looked at me and said, I was not afraid. My only fear was that they would not let me come back. And in that moment, Elijah, the one who called down fire from heaven in front of nearly a thousand prophets, false prophets, the same Elijah that brought a child back from the grave became real. And I looked at her and I thought, Elijah is a man. He was a man. And Sabina is a woman, and to me, hope was alive. Very cool. 
Um, Sabina has this huge faith that has impacted all of our team. Actually, she's one of the team leaders down there uh, with Iglesia del Camino. So it was an amazing experience for us to, to hang around her and to hear some of her story, going from an orphan to this woman who lives this bold faith. And here she is in China saying, um, you know, I, I just hope that they let me come back because people here need Jesus. You know, she's not running away going, wow, I'm glad I didn't get stuck in a Chinese prison. She had to sign a five-year contract saying that she would not come back for five years. And I think this year is the end of that. And it comes to an end, and she said, I'm going back. I'm headed back to China. And we're all going, what? Like, you know, like, like they know who you are. And they may pull you over just to check your pockets, see if you got any, you know, Christian literature there. And she said, they need Jesus, and I'm going back. Um, so she, bold faith and a, a major impact on our team. So it was a privilege to, to interact with women like Sabina. Um, now, Gina, uh, coming back with us this year, uh, helped to lead our children's ministry with another team that, that did that for us. And it was really cool watching that team work with the kids and, and watching the kids interact so greatly with our team, with the stories that we were teaching. Um, but God spoke directly to you, Gina, and kind of messed up some of your plans um, as we were working on uh, working with the kids and, and how we were delivering the Good Samaritan story. So tell us about that a little bit and the impact of that. Well, um, start starting with the word plan. I didn't plan on going on the trip. I went last year, and um, for no good reason, I didn't sign up again this year, but um, God had a plan. Um, Six days before the team left, I received a phone call and was asked if I wanted to go. And um, of course, I wanted to go, but I was doubting. I I just, I just, I was, I had, I was, my mind was blown. I asked my husband and my children, you know, what do you think? And I was jokingly taking votes and, you know, everybody was saying, go, 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 go. So I was like, all right, I'm going to go. And I knew what I was in for, you know, I had done it before and, you know, so I, I was going and um, I was aware of, you know, exactly what were the, the missions that we were going to be doing there and, you know, spent the week building the homes and doing the, you know, the Bible school at Santa Maria and doing the Bible school at the club. And... A few days before we were going to Rosa de Amor, which was the last place with the smaller group, about 30 to 40 children, mostly um, girls, um, it was just on my heart that I felt that I needed to spend time really praying specifically about our mission there. Um, something was just saying, you need to change the direction, because the direction that we were going in, uh, we would go to the facility, we would do our skit, we had the Good Samaritan story um, that you needed to love your enemies, and then we would break up and we would do activities, and and it was great. The kids loved it. I mean, don't get me wrong, it was phenomenal, but something needed to change, and I didn't really know what that was. Um, that was really scary for me. Um, I had already jumped in, you know, five days, six days before we were leaving. I wasn't really part of all that planning process, and now I have to lead this, and I don't even know, you know, what it is that you want me to do. Um, but I just continued to pray about it, and I said, all right, I'm willing. And that's really all you really have to say, because then you just need to buckle up, um, because he showed me what it was that he wanted to do. 
Um, so I reached out to my team members. You know, I said, hey, I think, you know, this, we're going to need to change direction. Um, of course, when you go in with a mission, you all need to be on the same page. So I needed to get some feedback from my teammates. And it was at lunch, I call it the lump in my throat, when I knew what it was that I needed to do. Um, and being that it was a smaller group of children, I felt led to really dig deeper. Uh, we had the opportunity to break up into those small groups, similar to those small groups that you hear about here at church. And um, so the girls broke up, and then the boys broke up, and we all you know, went our separate ways. And we didn't just do our skit and then break up into the activities. We were able to unfold the, the theme and the message of what it means to love your enemy. So being the teacher that I am, you know, I was like, well, let's define enemy. And um, it was really interesting to hear what the kids had to say. Um, they, they understood. So your enemies aren't just bad guys on the streets. Your enemies can be people that you love and people that love you. Um, and they do bad things and you can't trust them, so forth and so on. So we were able to define what it means to, you know, what is an enemy and, well, how do you love your enemy? And um, we were able to share stories. So um, that was the hardest part for me. God said, Gina, you need to go in there and you need to share your example of who were your enemies and how did they hurt you and how did that make you feel and how did you deal with that and how do you deal with that now? What do you do now on the other side of that? Um, it was really hard for me because I don't like to bring those things up. They're really scary and they um, make me cry, and, but I did it. And um, I would say that I had some healing in the process. Um, and like I had said, um, I didn't really know how we were going to do this exactly. What did that look like changing the plan? Um, well, it was the small group. I was able to share my story. Someone else in our team stepped up. I didn't even ask her to, but she offered to share her story as well, you know, how she dealt with enemies growing up. Um, he also brought in Miss Carol from our team and Kara, who shared scripture and some other I would say, wise pieces for these girls to hear. And then Sid wrapped us out in prayer. We were able to put them in the center of the room, and we laid our hands on them and just prayed for them. And um, I hate to use the word magical, but it was just totally, it was a spiritual thing. Um, the only thing that I can describe is um, it was an impenetrable circle. You know, it started with me and my willingness to face my skeletons and to acknowledge them. Um, and to share exactly what that was and how I learned how to forgive. And then he brought in someone else that wanted to share and then someone else, that, two other people that were able to provide that wisdom and then someone that was um, you know, willing to pray. And the word impenetrable circle is the best word because the message that was shared, the way that we were able to dive deeper into those um, themes that even adults need to hear, even though these girls were 10, 11, 12, 13. Um, God got to their hearts based on the things that we've had to deal with. And um, I knew that because when I left there that day, the girls specifically, they were, they were seeking me in the crowd. You know, we were standing up in the back of the truck and I saw them and they saw me and it was just the look on their face and the way that they looked into my eyes and hugged me so hard and they would not let go. 
and I couldn't let go either because we, we share similar stories and I knew that they appreciated um, coming in there and being so honest and open, letting them know that they're not alone, um, letting them know that there is hope um, and that you can forgive. And um, without a doubt, I know that I showed them Jesus and I know that sometime I felt that God was telling me in the near future that they would come to know Jesus because of what happened in that room that day. And um, it really opened my eyes and ears and heart to discern the cloudiness that we all get in our heads. You know, I never know, is it me? Was it my teacher side of me that was saying, oh, the strategy that we're approaching is not going to work? Um, So I had to say, is this me or is this God? And there's a verse, it's from Proverbs. It's Proverbs 16, 9, and it says, man's heart shows the way, but the Lord directs his steps. So once I was willing to do what God wanted to do, he um, told me that you needed to share your story, you needed to go into small groups, and then he put in those other four girls that were able to break up into that room, and um, it was a look in their eyes that showed, good job, faithful servant. Well, it was really, really neat to watch Gina wrestle through that and hearing God and responding to him in the context of what we were doing there. Um, and it, it's, it's neat for our, uh, watch our partnership over a long term um, unfold because uh, we want to go back over 20, 30 years and see the impact that we can make. And I think the example of that for me was we took our story to a new level with the kids and actually broke down in small groups. And our team had to unpack their stuff with these girls to help them unpack their stuff. So it was just a really cool opportunity, really cool moment. And then we got to spend several hours playing with the kids and uh, to the point where the kids are saying, please don't go, please don't leave. And I'm pretty sure one of our team members has a kid in their bag or something like, (laughs) got a kid back here to the state. So if you see a Guatemalan kid walking around, just know that it probably came from Guatemala. So would you thank uh, Roth and Gina for sharing their stories? So the director of the Children's Center said something I think was very powerful for our team And she gathered us around and said, you know, something along these lines, you may think that the couple of hours that you're here, that you're just playing with kids and it's not that big of a deal. It's not all that significant in the life of what God wants to do in these kids. And she said, let me just remind you of what this really means. When you come and you take time out of your lives in the States and you raise money and you come and you spend your time here with these kids for a few hours... God is using that to help them become who God wants them to be. These kids don't get played with very often. In that culture, children are an afterthought. They're a labor force. They're not children. And so when we get to come and interact deeply, one-on-one, personally with those kids, and then come back another year and see that child again, it really does impact their lives, change their lives, as well as change our lives in some really big ways. So we went to Guatemala for a week. Are we going to change Guatemala? No. But Guatemala can change us. Guatemala can transform how we live here 
And that's the goal that we have for, for everybody, anybody and everybody going on one of our mission trips. And my challenge for you, you may be thinking is, wow, that's great, fantastic for those 28 people that went on that trip. That's, that's awesome. Good for them. How does this apply to me? Well, here's how it applies to you. I think you should go on an international mission trip sometime in your life. If you're connected with our church family, my challenge to everybody connected with our body is that you will go on an international mission trip at one time, at least one time in your life. You go once, I'll leave you alone. I won't bother you anymore about it. But like with my own kids, when, when my kids were 13 and 14, I said, you don't have a choice, you're going. You know, later you can decide. And then my almost 18-year-old decided this year, I want to go. I didn't make her. She said, I want to go. I want to go back. I want to go and serve. I want to go back and have my heart wrecked. So I think you should go, and I think you should go next year. Now, here's what I know a lot of us do. Well, I'll talk to God and see what he says. You know, if God says go, I'll go. If God doesn't say anything, I'll take that as a no. Well, God has spoken very clearly, and of course, it might be taken slightly out of context, but bear with me. Matthew 28. This is Jesus before leaving the planet Earth. He has his disciples gathered around him. He's about to go to heaven, and he says, like, this is his final words to his followers. These are his final words here on planet Earth, and it's a big deal. You think this would be really important, the final thing that he's going to say? Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go, go, go into all the world and make disciples. So, you know, somebody asked me, says something about, well, I'm not sure God wants me to go. And I'm like, okay, let's talk about it. So God might not want you to go internationally and help someone learn about him. I just don't see it. Now, there might be healthy reasons why, you know, you, you can't go or shouldn't go or whatever, but you can help somebody else go. So I think you should go. Now, on top of that, we don't need to go internationally to learn how to serve. You don't have to go around the world to learn how to serve. There's tons of serving opportunities around us every day. And God wants us to take advantage of those opportunities that we see every day. So uh, there should be a card around you I'd like you to grab and uh, pick up real quick for a moment. It says, don't just attend, serve. It changes lives. But here's one opportunity that you can serve here at home. It's through our church family. We need more and more of you active in what God is doing here in our community. You know, one of the reasons I love going down to Guatemala and working with IDC is because they know their culture and we can help them reach farther And they are using more and more of their people to reach their community. And it's just great to partner with churches that are doing such a phenomenal job like that. Well, we need more and more of you to be involved in what God is doing here to reach our community. So if you look there, there are tons of opportunities that you can work in the context of our church family. There's a prep team that comes and sets this place up, and then there's a team that comes and tears it down after church. So if if you'd love to get active today, we'd love to have you help tear down uh, after the service. We have a tech team that does all kinds of things to help us have a great experience on Sundays. We've got a connections team team that welcomes people in and serves coffee. We've got a, an epic children's ministry that, that interacts with kids on a very age-appropriate level so they can grow and learn about a strong relationship with God. You know, down in Guatemala, it's very rare for a church to have a children's ministry. It's all for adults. 
Again, kids are an afterthought. But here, I don't know if you understand, but we have over 100 children back in this section of, of the building being serviced on Sunday morning between both services. We need more and more loving, caring adults that can interact with them in very significant ways. We have a student ministry as well that we'd love to have you be a part of. Um, we've got some other partnerships, uh, community, uh, Grace Community Food Pantry that we're working with on a consistent basis. And we build houses with Habitat for Humanity. So you'll hear some of that stuff come up throughout the year. There are many opportunities for you to be involved here and learn how to serve the way that Jesus served. You know, the, the funny thing is, when Jesus came to the earth, he had every right as God in the flesh to say, I'm here, it's time for you to serve me. But he didn't do that. Jesus, God in the flesh, came, got down on his hands and knees and said, let me teach you how to serve. And he washed his disciples' feet. And so he asks us, if you want to learn to be like me, if you want to be one of my followers, if you say, hey, I love Jesus, then do what I do and learn how to serve and there are tons of ways that you can do that. So I encourage you to, to fill this out, and you can drop it off at our Connection Center. If you're headed back to pick up your kids after the service, you can stop there. There's a place where you can drop that off as well. So again, action point for today, go on an international mission trip. Number two, get active in serving locally here through our church family. Now, I just want to thank you for being a part of this today and hearing the stories of our team members. There are many more stories out of the 28 people that went. So if you know somebody who went, ask them about their trip. They would love to share about their story. They would love to tell you more about their story and ask you as well to be in prayer for them. It's often difficult to transition back to life of the States. So we go and have this, this profound experience and then we come home, and it's, sometimes it's hard to get back into the regular routines of life, and you find yourself caught up in the drama of life and the drama of work, and just the routines that you're like, man, it's difficult to make that transition. So be in prayer for our team as they're working through that, and uh, obviously be in prayer for next year's trips and what God wants you to do here. So let's pray together. God, I thank you for the incredible opportunity that we have to be your hands and feet in this world. Lord, you, you didn't ask us to come and learn from you and sit. You asked us to go, to go into our neighborhoods, to go into our community, to go into our schools, and to go into the world and help people see you and to be your hands and feet to a world that desperately needs to know what a real relationship is like with Jesus Christ. It's the only relationship that can change them for all of eternity. So Lord, we as your followers take this challenge seriously. And Lord, today as we leave here, we don't want to just leave unchanged. We don't want to just go about our normal routines of life. Lord, we want to make an impact in the lives of other people. Help us to do that at work, at school, at home. Lord, help us to serve the way that you serve us. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you guys join me in giving a hand to the Guatemala team? So it's awesome. Thank you for your experiences, guys, and just going out there and being the hands and feet of God out in Guatemala. Um, now, I know it's, it, it's hard to hear some of those stories um, and not want to go over there and change. In fact, I see it um, looking over at my wife. She's like, I have like 50 toothbrushes at home. We can go over there and change it one tooth at a time. You know, but 
it's not an addiction. She's a dental hygienist, so it all makes sense. But, but it's, it's cool that we have those hearts, and that's what we want. We want to be able to be the hands and feet of Christ. And um, there is opportunities. We can start off small here. As Trent was saying earlier, there's many opportunities where we can serve here at Epic. Um, there's many opportunities. If you just take, take one of these sheets, take one of these little forms that's sitting on there next to you, you can fill it out or even take it home and just pray about it. Just see what God is pressing upon your heart. And then you can bring it back and give it over to our Connection Center, or you can go back into Epic Kids and you can hand it to them also. But definitely be in prayer about that. Uh, life change happens here that influences our community. And then I've got several announcements for you guys, and there's quite a few of them on there. So I ask that you be patient with me. We're going to be uh, kind of describing a lot of our group environments that are going to be starting soon. Um, but before we do that, go ahead and check out this video. So we have several group environments coming up here shortly. And the first one I want to talk to you about is going to be Starting Point. And Starting Point is an eight-week conversational group experience uh, to where you get to come in and just uh, hang out with other people and start, talk, up, talk and grow about the story of God. Um, so it's a perfect example. If you're um, new to Epic, this is a great opportunity to come out and just get to know people. Um, if you're just checking out this whole God thing, it's an awesome environment to come and ask questions and any question you want about God. And if, if you're a new believer, perfect opportunity to come and build a solid foundation to be able to grow on. And then if you've already been through Starting Point, the next part of the journey is going to be Next Step. And Next Step is a, a, a community group environment where you can come and just discover the journey that God has us on. And then experience um, his vision for us on the relationships that we have with others. And if you've been through Starting Point and Next Step, the next part's going to be Group Link. And Group Link is an event that we have to where we um, develop into men's, women's, and couples groups. And this is, I'm in a men's, women, I'm, in, I'm in a men's, not a men's group, but a small group with amazing people. And what we do there is that we pray for each other. We join in community. We just live life together. And it's a place where you feel like you belong. And you can grow close with other people. We consider them our family. But yet they are amazing people, and we do life with them, and that's what we want. Uh, we want people to grow close and grow in Christ together. And there's, there's going to be a sign up. You can go online and sign up for any of those um, and check them out. You can go online at theepicchurch.com and sign up on there. Um, you can also uh, you can sign up back at the Connection Center. There's a couple opportunities back there for you, too. And then we have starting point and next step intro is going to be on September 15th, right after service. So if you're interested in either one of those, there's going to be an area over here where you can go check that out and get an idea of what it's really all about. It's not as scary as what you think it is. Um, and then also that night at 6 o'clock, 6 p.m., over at Palm Coast Community Church, we're going to be doing the group link environment where you get to dive into a men's, women's, or a couple's group. And I encourage you all to do that. Here at Epic, we would love every single one of you to be in one of our group environments. And then also, we have Financial Peace University is coming up here shortly. And if you're interested in mastering your finances and diving into what God, uh, God's plan for you on that is, um, there's going to be an opportunity coming up on August 29th over at Gary and Terry Antosh's house. They're going to have an intro to the Financial Peace University. And you can sign up online for that, or you can go into the back corner. The Manzies are back there, amazing people. If you don't know them, get to know them also. And they will sign you up or answer any questions that you have about that. And then another huge one coming up, another, is going to be on September 20th and 21st, Women of Faith is coming to Orlando. 
And this is going to be a great uh, opportunity to hear some speakers share their stories uh, and share their story of God. And also, there's going to be some amazing teachers there. Max Locato is going to be there, if you're familiar with him. And Third Day is going to be doing the worship there. So it's going to be a great environment. I may end up crashing it. I don't know, because I'd like to learn from them and definitely worship with Third Day. Um, But the cost of that is $105, and that includes the conference and it includes the hotel. Um, But you want to sign up for that online, and the deadline for that is going to be September 1st. So you definitely want to hurry up, jump on board, and sign up for that as well. It's going to be an amazing event. Next. And if, if you call Epic your home and you'd like to give back to what we're doing here and in the community, there's two ways that you can give of your resources. You can give online at theepicchurch.com or you can give in our giving boxes, which are right behind you. And if you're new with Epic, we're so happy you're here. Thank you for coming out and joining us. Um, On your way out, definitely stop by the Connection Center. They have a little packet for you back there. Tells you a little bit about what Epic's all about, what the heartbeat is here. And I know our surge students up here are probably excited for school starting tomorrow. All of you excited? No, we have one here, right? Teachers, are you excited about tomorrow? No, I don't really hear. Parents, are you excited about tomorrow? There you go. It's a big day tomorrow, and before we head out, I'd just love to pray for everybody involved in this school starting up tomorrow. So let's go ahead and pray. Father God, just thank you for our teachers, Lord. Just thank you for the heart that they have to invest in our students to prepare them for life coming up. And I ask that you just overflow grace upon them, Lord. Just overflow grace to their students so they could just show a loving heart, Lord. And also patience. I ask that you just pour out patience to them. I know people think of teachers as a 40-hour job, Lord, but it's a 70-hour job after you go home and you do everything, and it could be overwhelming, Lord. So I ask that you be with them. And also, Lord, I, I pray for the students. As new students are going into the high schools, going to the middle schools, I ask that you utilize the hearts that you have here, Lord, and the churches around that. When they see a new student, that they will invite them over, that they'll be the hands and feet of God and be able to encourage and prepare and just love on other people, Lord. So I ask that you just bless Flagler County School System. Bless our students and everybody that would love to make a change here. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Everybody, thank you for joining us today and have a wonderful week. Enjoy your Sunday.